Welcome once again to another episode of the Random Access Podcast, brought to you by RAPodcast.net. This is episode 304, recorded live on Sunday, April 21st, 2013. And here are your hosts, the man who was at a wedding two days ago and isn't David Pillay, Brian Lindsley. Hello. The man who was also at a wedding two days ago and isn't David Pillay, Brendan Lapsley. What's up? And the man who was also at a wedding two days ago and is always not Dave Pillay, Andy Lowe. Hi. Are you implying that Brian or I are, is sometimes Dave? Apparently. Well, you two are kind of like the Dave replacement. Okay, I guess I can see that. It's, it's just the fact, you know, that Dave's not here, man. So. He's enjoying his wonderful trip over to Europe. Yeah, I just checked his Google Latitude, and he is in Cambridge as we speak. It's a little freaky that I can um, track him using Google Latitude, but that's a whole other thing. Welcome to the future. It's only going to get worse from here. Yeah, but I realize there's only three people on my friends list who are actually using Latitude. So it's not here yet. But it's coming. I don't know. Would you? You can use Latitude right now. Would you use it? I do use it. I use it once in a while. The only person I've ever shared it with is Dave. Uh, I might have shared it with Julie, but I'm not sure that really matters. Yeah, the only time I ever actually turn it on is when I'm driving out to Madison or Iowa. So Dave has a general idea of when we're going to be showing up at his apartment. Same here. Yeah, actually, the last time I used Google Latitude was when I was driving out to Seattle, I think, so Kate could follow me. Yeah, I guess there's no real use in a day-to-day, but on big trips like that, it makes sense. And Dave's definitely on a big trip. So, um, yeah, Dave's not here. Dave's in Cambridge, England at the moment, and will be for the next three weeks. So um, I found some Dave replacements, and um, it wasn't that hard because, you know. Oh, Dave way just... to make us feel special. <laughs> hey, hey, you guys actually did more work than Dave. Dave actually opened all the links. Well, Brian actually opened all the links ahead of time. I had to film a minute ago. He's already calling me Dave. Damn it, this is going to be a hard one. So how was everybody's wedding? You were actually all at the same spot uh, two days ago. So The way you phrased that meant it sound like I had a wedding. So my wedding was wonderful like four or five years ago. Yeah, uh, it was interesting, I guess. I, it was a little more It was a little more interesting for me, I guess, because I was in the wedding party. Um, Bri was one of the ushers, and Andy just had to show up and, you know, not embarrass himself. I'm not sure if you succeeded on that last point. I was going to say, uh... Yeah, considering uh, what we saw Andy do on the dance floor. It's what I always do on the dance floor, which is why I don't go dancing very often. I love that you yelled, I'm nervous, and ran up. Which song was that again? It was the cha-cha slide, because there's nobody was doing it, so somebody had to do it if he was playing it. It was just very, very hilarious. Thank you for doing that. Oh, yeah. So um, we've actually had Richard on the show. So uh, congratulations to Richard Biancolana, who is currently flying down to Florida for his honeymoon. Congratulations if you're listening to this, Rich. Good job. None of us ever thought this day would come. Oh, that's a little harsh. I'm not sure none of us. That's right. People probably said that about all three of us, too. Mm, maybe. Maybe. I don't know. I'm not sure about Andy and Kate. They were together for a long time. Over 10 years. Well, not before we got married, but right now we've been together for over 10 years. God, my anniversary's coming up. What is my anniversary thing? I think it's like flowers and fruit. That doesn't make any sense to me. Why would that be after leather? Like, leather is much cooler than that. I don't know. I think getting your significant other anything leather, it just sounds kind of awkward. <laughs> yeah, I can. T- oh, man. 
when I was at work and we were, they were talking about that, they were just like, oh, so you're getting leather. Hmm. But the first one was paper. It's like, okay, paper. Ooh. Here, here's a poem. Yeah, I haven't bothered following any of that. I might do like the 10-year and 20-year ones, but that's about it. Yeah. 10, year, 10 year is aluminum. Okay, maybe I'll skip that one. Maybe just make my own up for my 10 and 20. Yeah, that sounds a little better. Fifth year is wood. Sixth year is iron. Huh, starting to sound a lot like Minecraft. And then copper and pottery. See, to me, this just all sounds massively out of date. Well, that's why they have the modern equivalents, too. Okay, so the modern equivalent would be first year is clocks, second year is China. Third year is crystal. Fourth year is appliances. <laughs> See, it's still awkward, but it makes more sense. Uh, I disagree with the first two years. I believe year one should be the China. But I guess if you don't have a clock, you need one. Oh, geez. No, I'm sorry. Sixth year is sugar for the, for the for the traditional wedding anniversary gift list. Gotcha. This would be about the time Brent, Dave would go, so let's talk about those topics. Yeah, probably. But Dave's not here, man. Take the rules and just throw them out the window? Yeah. yeah. But work is replacement. You're better than him. You're like Dave Plus. Well, there are two of us. True. But do you actually want to talk about the topics? Because we can do that if you want to. Whatever. You're the one running this show. I know. It seems like it's what I normally do, but it seems different today. Because we aren't, like, heckling you for, you know, everything you say. True. Not yet. So, one topic off the bat. PAX Passes um, went live this week. And well, done so quick. Yeah, I was actually looking at the uh, feed, the official PAX Twitter account. Um, Four-day passes sold out in 40 minutes. That's kind of crazy. Yeah, it's going to make actually going to PAX impossible for the majority of us. Were you planning on going? Not this year, but if this is the precedent from now on. Yeah, they sold out in 40 minutes, and then there was a uh, the website basically that was holding the tickets got taken down basically under a DDoS attack. Wow. What did it sell out in last year? Wasn't that just a couple hours? I want to say it was longer, but I don't know. I think it was a day or two last year, but this year every single ticket was sold out within four hours. That is kind of crazy. And that included everybody who, they, like, so the website got taken down, so they brought the website back up in, like, a less um, flashy format. Just, just try. text. Yeah, just text. There was a 2.5-hour queue in order to get your tickets processed. Jeez. It kind of reminds me of the first couple of years that Amazon did the um, the Black Friday sales and how you wouldn't get a chance to buy the object that you wanted to. Well, it's like a, a bag of crap on Woot. You just you go there and you hope. And that's not a real good way to try to plan a convention attendance, you know? Well, I mean, due to uh, what just the restrictions of the building, you can't sell too many passes. I mean, they really are limited. It's not like they can just be like, oh, well, we have more demand, so let's supply more. That's not something they can do, whereas, you know, your bag of crap on Woot or when you're selling stuff on Amazon, it you can come up with more. I, I don't disagree. It's just it makes it difficult from a consumer standpoint for me to say, yeah, I'm going to go to PAX this year because I have no idea if I'm going to make it in that four-hour window or not. Right, so... Which is, why, which is why you should go to PAX Boston. It's a bigger venue. They can sell more tickets. It's closer 
Yeah, but keep in mind, you know, they're going to start running into this problem soon, too. I will. How many people were at PAX Boston last year? There's got to be online somewhere. This makes me glad that I like to attend Gen Con, where I was able to buy a ticket almost a month or two after ticket sales opened. Although housing was a completely different story. That's the other thing you run into with conventions is the fact that you need a hotel, too. Yep. Yeah. So we're all going to Gen Con this year. Uh, Brian, myself, Julie, and Beth. And after we got our tickets, Julie spent about two hours on the phone trying to find a hotel. We eventually found one, but it was only because we got very lucky in that she found a hotel that had been open for less than a month. Okay, so let's see. PAX Prime, uh, 67,000 people. PAX East, oh, come on. They don't have the PAX East numbers on here. They wouldn't want to make your job that easy. Stupid Wikipedia. <laughs> oh, um, there was no wonder they don't have the numbers listed. Coup says, yeah, we no longer do the full attendance count anymore. Trying to track down all the numbers of exhibitors, media, speakers, it was just a pain. So they were just like, yeah, it's too much work. We don't care enough. But when you have to count over 70,000 people, and it's basically an entirely volunteer staff. Hmm. I, I can't imagine it's that hard. I mean, they everybody has to register. True. But then you got to, yeah. Yeah, but I mean, there are different places where all the registrations are happening and coordinating getting all the right information from the different sources you know probably more annoying but not impossible it looks like you do all of the registration online in this one website so they probably could you know know all the information so they're just lazy the uh pax boston has a total area of half a million square feet so Good yeah size. I'm thinking PAX Boston is going to outgrow PAX Prime, especially if you run into this problem where tickets are selling out within the hour. Yeah, I definitely think it'll get there uh, because of the limitations, but I think it still needs to, um, I guess, proliferate around out there a little bit more because people are so used to when they hear Penny Arcade thinking Seattle. So it'll get there. It's just going to take a little bit of time. Which is good. PAX Prime four-day tickets have been selling for about 300 bucks now. On eBay? Yep. I have a cat, like, yelling at me over here. Hello. That's fine. We had an episode where um, a cat was, I do believe, uh, making love to some laundry. Interesting. And yeah, you, my, my cats don't do that. You captured that on the podcast? Well, it wasn't um, from our audio. It was the person we were interviewing. Their audio had their cat um, attacking the laundry. So she's talking to us about her topic. I think she was a developer or a um, distributor. And so talking to her about normal topics, and then we hear the cat in the background. It sounds a little awkward. Yeah. So what other topics did I find? There's a lot of them here. So you finally found out the tech specs of the Google Glass. Yeah, that was actually kind of surprising. Yeah, I'm curious to see what's going to happen with this thing. And for someone like me, obviously, even if I had the ability to get it right now, I'm not sure I really could since I wear prescription glasses. They're going to make it so that you can have prescription glasses with the Google Glass. Right, but from what I've seen, that's not out yet. But then... Uh, I would be wearing, I think the price right now is, what, $15,000 for the Google Glass at the moment? Something like that. 
I don't think that's going to be the eventual price. It's going to get down. I'm guessing within a year, they're probably going to get it down somewhere in the like $500 range. I don't know if it'll be that low. I'm just curious how much this thing's going to weigh. That's what they haven't posted yet. How much does it weigh? Because I know from wearing, you know, like heavy safety glasses for work sometimes. Well, not my current job, but one of my previous jobs. Like that weight on your face starts to get to you after a while. Yeah, that is... That's not something I thought about. You're right. Um, I'm pretty sure it'll be pretty light given the, I mean, they don't have a lot of heavy components here. Storage is light as hell nowadays. Yeah, when you can accidentally swallow 32 gigabytes of flash memory. Yep. You could probably actually swallow a lot in one gulp. Yeah, but then you'd regret it later. You'd probably regret it pretty quickly, actually. But then I'm thinking about, okay, so I know glasses are expensive, but still, like, that would be even more money on my face. If I got, like, babies around or something, I would be very worried. And how many times do you, like, drop your glasses or something like that, or you set them down somewhere and don't really think about it? And then accidentally set something else on top of them, or accidentally, you know, yeah, lots of accidents. Yeah, so I think the sturdiness of it is probably going to be something that, if they haven't thought about yet, they will think about very, very soon. I guess I don't see how it's any worse than regular glasses. Uh, I think it's more worse because if something happens and you have to replace it, it is a lot more expensive. It, well, I guess it depends on the glasses you normally wear because you can get designer glasses that are obscenely expensive. Yeah, I'm the kind of guy who usually gets like the $150 glasses. I actually got glasses. I think my Armani, gl- my my old glasses, the ones I have before these ones I'm currently wearing, I think those were like 400 bucks. But those things were titanium, lightweight. Oh, I really want those glasses back, but they're broken. I take it your current glasses are a little cheaper. Uh, yeah, but not by much. I think these are about 300 Gotcha. What I find interesting is they don't list a microphone on the tech specs, but you know that they have to have one because voice activation is part of it. I didn't even realize that. I do think it's cool that they're they're going with newer technology with the bone conduction rather than having it literally just headphones. Yes, that is something that, you know, I've been curious about when that's really going to hit the market. So I'm curious to see how well that works. I thought you can do a bone conduction microphone. You can. You can do it both ways, I think. Yeah, because I think the military's been using the bone conduction stuff for the longest time. I thought the military just puts the stuff over your larynx so that it just captures really soft sounds. Kind of looks more like a, a choker necklace than anything else. Mm, maybe. Someone just asked Kat later. She might know. Maybe. It's special forces that tend to have that, not the band, but, you know. Well, she has a better chance of knowing than we do. That's true. That would actually be the best special forces, because nobody expects the band to be nobody like, Nobody expects you know. the band's quisition. Yeah, I'm not sure that worked there, Bri. Look, I'm replacing Dave. I have to make stupid jokes. Oh. Okay, now I need to get out of this Wikipedia rat hole I'm in. Good job. That's why I try not to open Wikipedia if I can help it. So, Google Fiber is um, already expanding again. Yeah, was it going down to Austin, was it? Yeah, and now um, this week, they're moving out to uh, Utah, Provo, Utah. Hmm. So... After being in Kansas City for like a year, it's exploding to a couple different places at once? Yeah. Well, um, the Provo-Utah agreement hasn't been officially voted on yet by the city councils. That's going to be on the uh, 23rd is when the city council is going to vote. 
but why would they not want it? I mean, yeah, there would be a lot of work installing it at first, but I mean, I would think the actually, benefits would weigh would massively outweigh the negatives. Actually, um, they don't actually have to build out much of a network because Provo started building their own municipal fiber network back in 2004. Oh, so it would be real easy for Google to come in and continue working on that. Yeah, so they they started building on a municipal fiber network in 2004. In 2011, they're like, okay, we've done our part, and they started looking for people to basically just manage the network. So all Google will have to do is basically come in, put their stuff on the lines, and they'll be done. That's a nice deal. Yeah, so this is probably going to pass. Think about that. $30. If you're living in Provo, Utah, you could pay $30 for the one-time activation fee and then get a free 5 megabits per second internet connection. Oh, how wonderful that would be. Yeah, that would be nice. Yeah, because I'm on Comcast now, and that's expensive. And not often reliable. Yeah. Oh, the last time Brian was... No, was that the first time that you were on that Comcast kind of sucked it? Yeah, it was the first time. Oh, that was good times. Yeah, the problem is, is like out here, Comcast is really the only option. We could do satellite, but that's not really any better. Satellite has been getting better. You still have a little bit of a lag, but it's not much. I'm more worried about instances when, I don't know, it's raining or there's dense cloud cover so you can't you know connect true we've had that happen with our satellite connection a couple of times it's a bit annoying so speaking of fiber it looks like at&t wants to get in on the deal that google has for austin texas yeah which is funny because google said uh we don't have a deal for austin texas there's no there was no finagling between them and austin texas Texas, Austin just kind of gave them the go-ahead and said, yeah, sure, build it, go for it. Yeah, and AT&T was like, oh, yeah, we could bring, you know, gigabit connection fiber stuff there if you guys, you know, give us the same deal. And everybody's like, what deal? So they're trying to turn around AT&T's words saying, well, there was no special incentive. So, yeah, come on, bring your bring your gigabit internet. Come on, please. Come on down. So, yeah, if you got AT&T and Google there and AT&T coming down to what Google's offering, I mean... It'd be like, uh, I mean, just having a choice between them would make it so much easier on everyone in Austin there. Competition is good. Yeah, because I know out here there's not really much competition, and it sucks. Absolutely. Speaking of competition, I would never have expected Sony to get into the ISP race, but apparently they're doing so in Japan. Yeah, they would never be able to break in here at this point. Oh, absolutely not. I mean, if this works in Japan, they may have a chance stateside, but it would take a lot of work. I love that, though. The download speeds of 2 gigabits per second. On average. So, yeah, $51 if they, a month. Seriously? I, I want that. Wow. Yeah, if they make this model work over in Japan, I just hope someone over in the States sees it and makes it work over here. It's not going to happen over here, though. I was going to say, they have a completely different infrastructure than we do. They have so much shorter distances they need to go. Yeah, just because Japan is such a dense place. What is the square mileage of Japan? Go, go, Wikipedia? Already on it. Uh, 145,000 square miles, which makes it slightly smaller than the state of California. 
But what's the uh, population per square mile? Isn't it like one of the highest in the world? Uh, last count, 126.5 million in 2000. Brendan asked for the uh, person per square mile, so I thought for a moment you were going to say per mile. Oh, goodness. That What, what is this, Singapore? So, yeah, somebody who, who's listening can do the math, I guess. All right, hold on. Population density per mile. 836 people per square mile. Yeah, that's pretty dense there. Side note, Singapore is um, 18,645 people per square mile. But yeah, out here, you know, it's kind of funny where people are. This is actually happening in my electronics class. There was an old guy who was talking all about, oh, yeah, the internet, like South Korea is, you know, a million times faster than it is here. Well, how come we can't have it here? Blah, blah, blah. I'm sitting there thinking just like, do you not realize what you're saying? It's South Korea is, you know, like a postage stamp compared to the United States. Right. Yeah, that's one of the problems with the whole uh, Manifest Destiny thing there. It's weird that you think of, like, we're living in a state, one of 50, and our state, you know, is larger than some whole countries. I'd say the many whole countries. Yep. So continuing with the Google trend... The ACLU is kind of pointing out the fact that um, we're screwed by our uh, telecom providers because uh, a majority of us are still on phones that are gingerbread. Right. They're all unpatched to the newest security uh, levels. Yeah, I'll admit I generally don't upgrade because I'm too lazy. Well, a lot of carriers won't let you upgrade. It doesn't matter even if you wanted to. Yeah, like I have the Xperia Play and I know and I have Verizon. So uh, one of the things that happened a few months after I got my phone was that they pushed out one of the upgrades. Um, I want to say pushing it to Gingerbread maybe. And it actually kind of broke my phone and has still not been fixed since. That's not good. I mean, it only broke it in the fact that um, the Gmail does not sync properly and Messenger inside Google Plus does not work. And that is like that with all the Xperia Plays on Verizon. Because basically, your smartphones now are tiny computers. And how many times do you get, what, Microsoft updates Windows once a month? Once every other week. Yeah. It's pretty frequent. And I know there has been no updates. Well, I've actually had updates to my phone because I'm running Cyanogen now, which is actually allowing me to update my phone. But if I went back to stock on my phone, I think I've got uh, stock 2.1 for my phone for T-Mobile. That's as far as they go. And then they just dropped it and they're like, oh, what about a new phone? Right. They're more interested in selling you new hardware than keeping their old software up to date right but that's the problem is there's everybody is using the old 44 percent are still using two-year-old hardware yeah but that's as we were saying you know that's not google's fault they're coming out with new versions it's all the carriers so yeah that's why the aclu is kind of trying to push saying hey let's uh make it a law that they either have to fix the security issues which is basically pushing them out to us because they exist or uh, give us a new phone. It would be nice for them to, um, I don't know, support what they sold us for the duration of our contract. Yeah, that'd be nice. But you know that's never going to happen, though. It's, there's, they don't even support all of their phones anymore. There's like, um, oh, sorry, brain fart. <laughs> I was going to say when they uh, were upgrading, no, they upgraded the SIM cards. Nothing came to me about it. So I had, I've had like a four, five, six-year-old SIM card in my phone. And they're like, how do you even still have this? Because you didn't bother giving me a new one. Yeah. 
And the worst is the fact that, like, you know, they always have those free phones when you renew and whatnot, or at least Verizon always does. <clears throat> and those are the phones that, you know, like, after a year, they just aren't going to care about anymore. If you're so, lucky. Yeah, so, like, halfway through the contract, you're like, all right, well, now if my phone breaks, I'm pretty much SOL. Yeah, I got the um, – so I have to have the two phones because of work because my cell phone coverage for work sucks on T-Mobile if I, you know, drive a quarter mile away from the highway. So I've got an AT&T phone. Side note, that new AT&T phone, I was realizing, like, how come it's taking so long to charge my phone on it? The charger is running at 4.5 volts instead of 5. Wow. Yeah, that's always not good. It's like, it's taking forever. This makes no sense. And I finally looked at it. Oh, that's why. <laughs> Stupid, cheap people. That's when you, you know, just plug it into your computer via the USB cord or find a different charger. Yeah, unfortunately. I mean, we do have that flexibility, which is nice. Yeah, now that, you know, the chargers are getting to be universal, well, universal within Android and universal within uh, Apple devices. Was it one of the things that my mom used to have happen to her was um, with her phone, like even a year or two ago, she, I want to say two or three times, left her phone charger in the hotel room when they were on a vacation and had to find a new one. That would have been such a pain five years ago. No, no. She had one of those old phones and, you know, had to have my dad go online and look for a viable charger. Ouch. Because I'm sure even if you went to Verizon, they're like, we don't carry this phone anymore. Too bad. Yep. And trust me, they tried. That actually happened with my phone here when I had to find a new battery. They're like, uh, yeah, we don't have that battery anymore. Um, you can go to Battery Plus and get one. Like, my phone's not that old, and you don't even carry the sub, like accessories for it. Yeah, but I mean, accessories are always a little weird in trying to find them. Like, as I said, when I got mine, the Xperia Play, it's like the only Sony phone on the market, so trying to find accessories for that was a pain in the ass. I guess if you compare it to another product, though, like a car, it'd be the equivalent of saying, oh, your engine is broken with this part here. Sorry, we can't help you. Yeah, but you can usually find parts for cars that are within five years old. And that's my point, is that we should be able to find the parts for cell phones, but for whatever reason, they're getting away with the fact that they're not. Well, probably because people generally keep cars for 10 to 15 years, whereas people keep cell phones for less than two. Yeah, there was actually, Kate and I were discussing this when we went out for um, dinner last night, is somebody moved into a cell phone, like a new business showed up, and it was a cell phone repair business. And we're like, hmm, how long is that going to stay in business? Well, depending on who they attract, they may actually stay up for a little while. But how often do you think the average person would be like, oh, my phone's broken, would try and like repair it rather than you know go out and get a new one? Mm, I don't know. People are getting cheaper nowadays, and since the carriers are not going to fix it themselves, they're going to be looking for alternate routes. I mean, the carriers are definitely going to push buying a new phone, but um, you know, if people know there's somewhere where they can go where they could get it fixed, it'd be okay. So I I would say that company or the small business, if they get enough advertising, they may be okay. I'm in agreement because there's lots of times when my family, for example, my sister might have dropped her phone into the sink. She doesn't want a new phone. She wants that phone to be fixed. Okay, so maybe it will actually. Well, I'll I'll let you know if it ever you know disappears. I mean, you are kind of in a college town, so that probably helps too because students are you know even more prone to be cheap. Yeah. 
it the college town does not go that far outside of campus. Gotcha. I guess I'm just kind of biased since I'm in Ann Arbor here. Yeah. Yeah. Ann Arbor is, Ann Arbor is a college town, but it's a huge college town. Kalamazoo is a college town, but once you kind of pass over 94 and get into Portage, then you kind of turn into like the bedroom community where people, you know, will travel to Grand Rapids or Kalamazoo or some other place to work. Yeah. I didn't really see the Kalamazoo area much. I and my sister went to school there, and I think I went and dropped something off to her once, and I never actually saw any of campus. There's not much going on there. It's a nice campus to walk around, though. So speaking of Apple, um, I think it was Wired was starting to um, bring up some concerns about Siri's privacy policy, stating like um, that Apple would be, you know, keep your data. Right. And there was no, you know, finite number in the privacy policy of how long they would keep the data. Which is always a problem if you're a customer. So now finally Apple responded and says that they um, keep your data from Siri for two years. Well, at least they gave a set date on it. But I mean, two years is, you know, that could anger some people, I I think. Just don't look up anything dangerous like terrorism or bombs. Siri, how do I build a pipe bomb? Yeah, I would say probably the only safe way to do any of that is to make sure to include some context around some kind of video game. In Minecraft. (laughs) I was thinking terrorism in Counter-Strike. Makes me glad I play the really weird, obscure games where I don't need to worry about that. Because it's more like, how do I summon a demon? Yay, witchcraft. Yeah, the government generally doesn't seem to care too much about that. Hopefully they never will. I'm trying to think of other funny Siri jokes, but I can't think of anything at the moment. I don't know. The Big Bang Theory Siri jokes were pretty funny. I especially like one where the guy with the lisp was trying to use it. I can see how that can be disastrous. Yeah, with Kripke. Yeah, complaining about how Siri was completely worthless. But that does bring up the question, you know, what if does Siri have ways to be able to recognize people with some kind of, um, you know, nuance to their dialogue there? Probably not. I don't think we're at that level yet. Not for over the phone kind of things. I know that if you have like dragon natural speaking, natural speaking, they do have learning your language or learning how you talk. But it's there's not that customization currently in phones. Gotcha. Yeah, because I actually had uh, Dragon Natural Speaking in high school for a little bit just to try it out to see if that helped with my um, writing ability. Because I can speak, I just can't write. Um, and it to learn my language, it had me read uh, Charlie and the Chocolate Factory. No, Charlie and the Glass Elevator, the second book, to learn my language. So it had a large selection of words. And I just started reading, and it's like, okay, I think we've understood your language now. Yeah, so until Siri has something like that, I don't see it working very well for people who have speech impediments. Gotcha. Which, they, Google Voice needs to do that, I'm sorry, but the Google transcripts of my voicemails are horrible. <laughs> I love watching um, videos from, like, an anime or something and putting on the closed captioning for English. It's so hilarious on YouTube. Wait, what? I have not seen these. So you can load up an anime or something that's actually in a different language, um, like maybe a a Japanese TV clip. Um, And then there's an option for you to put closed captioning on, and you can put it in English. So you can see what Google thinks they're saying. And it's just so awfully wrong. It's amazing. 
That sounds hilarious. I actually knew about that. It is quite um, silly. The only thing I've ever turned closed captioning on on YouTube for in recent memory was um, the Muppets Swedish Chef videos. Nice. Those are fantastic, but those were like preloaded with the subtitles. Right. So they're just part of the joke. Damn it. Now I have popcorn chicken stuck in my head. Or popcorn shrimp, I guess. No, Brian, that's just popcorn by hot butter. But that's the song that plays, isn't it? Yeah, it is. Um, pretty much it's popcorn with the little shrimp laughing at him the whole time. Oh, popcorn. Now that's stuck in my head, damn it. Success! All right, so what do you guys think about Xbox kind of making a Pebble watch? It's not very surprising considering the rumors that Google and Apple are getting into it. Yeah, I don't know. I Xbox, I think... There's just so much coming out that people are just like, I don't even know anymore. I don't care. Wait until it's out, and then we'll see. Absolutely. So you're not big on the speculation? No. It, I mean, one or two things, you know, speculating about like a little bit beforehand is fine. It just seems to me that Xbox is taking it too far, or people are taking it too far with the Xbox, that it's just like, all right, I don't know what to think anymore. I don't freaking care I'm just going to ignore it until it's actually out, and then we'll see. I guess the problem is we haven't heard anything from Microsoft at all about the new system. So, And odds are this, you know, whatever the watch they make, it's going to be on the new system. They aren't going to make it for the 360, which is already, you know, halfway out the door. I have a feeling it's even less tied to that. I have a feeling it's going to be like the Windows 7 phone. It'll be just a product that the Xbox team was working on, but it's not necessarily directly related to the new system. I can see that. I don't know. If you, you connect using some sort of accelerometer in the watch, it might, you know, help out. Well, no, they'd probably make it so that it was compatible both with the uh, new Xbox and with a PC. Because, I mean, that is the one thing that Microsoft really has going for them is they are able to link PC and Xbox and make everything integrated. Now, they don't do it enough yet, but they they are the ones who have that ability. And I mean, it's, it's really no different than having a, the Windows 7 phone, because there is integration with that and the Xbox system. Um, and you can use like the smart class stuff or just look at your avatar on it. So I'd imagine the, the watch is going to be closer to the Windows 7 phone than it is to the system. If I, Does anybody really care about Windows phones anymore? No. I Honestly, I, I like the idea of Windows phones. I think they are probably some of the better phones on the market. But the thing that Windows is not doing nearly as well is the apps and, you know, the um, – communication like the social networking stuff i mean yeah you can go on facebook and whatnot but you know it doesn't have all the games that you know android and iphone does it doesn't have you know just all the different things so yeah they're probably more powerful phones they probably are just a little bit better in terms of hardware but you know there's just still a lot of usability missing and i don't think they've managed to break into the market enough yet for people to care. I have to say, I'm not sure how much they're lacking as far as the, the software goes, because I haven't looked in a long, long time. Yeah, no one has. No one cares. Pretty much Android and uh, Apple took over, and Windows is having one hell of a time trying to break into that market. 
well, not only Windows, but think of how much BlackBerry is kicking themselves in the butt for not, you know, jumping on the smartphone train when they did. Yeah, BlackBerry is halfway out the door. It used to be the smartphone, and then Apple came along, did something completely different, and BlackBerry should have tried to follow along rather than, you know, stay with what they were doing. Yeah, I mean... Do you guys know anyone who has a BlackBerry anymore who's not like, you know, someone with a C in front of their title at a business? No. I think my dad has a BlackBerry. Well, I mean, that's one person, maybe. I mean, the only time I've ever seen them nowadays is someone who's very high up in some kind of business and uses it almost exclusively for email. I think my brother used to have a BlackBerry, but then he switched to an iPhone. Yeah, I I would say a year ago, BlackBerry had a much stronger grip on the market, but I've known a lot of people who've switched off of BlackBerry onto something else fairly recently. It's rats leaving a sinking ship is what it is. Yeah, it really is. So speaking of the end of eras, ZDNet uh, posted an article, which I want to kind of get some opinions on, stating that we're at the end for Windows. I'm not sure we're at the end of Windows. I think it's more that Windows 8 crashed and burned. And looking at this article, I think it that's more what it's saying is not necessarily Windows, but Windows 8. I, Do you think? I personally think that Windows will be around for a good 10 to 20 years. I don't see it going away from businesses anytime soon. I do think it's going to be more slowly adopted than um, Microsoft would like. For example, we're going to Windows 7 right now, not Windows 8 um, from XP. So I think that maybe they need to slow their product cycle and focus more on maintaining what they have. But, well, I mean, it's not only that, but there were a lot of things inherently wrong with the Windows 8 launch, and that caused a lot of animosity towards Windows 8. I mean, the big thing being that Windows 8 was geared towards touchscreens, which are not out there enough yet. I was going to say, like, cause Windows 7 was a lot like, you know, Windows earlier versions. There was, there was a lot of similarities. And then Windows 8 took everything and then did a left-hand turn. So the, most of the businesses now are just like, uh... Well, the, the thing about Windows 8 is it actually, if you know what you're doing, it's actually not a bad OS. Um, like, once you get away from that um, landing, the I forgot whatever they call that new... The Metro UI? Yeah, that thing. Once you get away from that, it's it looks like normal Windows, and it acts like normal Windows for the most part. But there's a few things in there that just are not intuitive at all. Now, at my work, you know, I use Windows 7 on my desktop, but since I'm a web developer, I need to make sure that um, everything I develop works on, uh, what's the newest IE? IE 9? Aren't we at 10? Yeah, we're at 10. Okay, but like, I think 10, that's the one that only works on Windows 8, correct? Um, I'm not sure. Well, I know the newest IE, it's only a Windows 8, so I actually have a... Uh, laptop that we use for testing on Windows 8 and IE 10. And honestly, you know, well, it's a laptop that has a touchscreen. And I think that the Windows for the uh, Windows 8 on that is not bad. I think part of the problem was the fact that Windows Vista 
caused a lot of animosity towards you know, a operating system that did not work very well at release. People still didn't, still don't like Vista. Windows 8 doesn't have a lot of the problems. It's just there was some glaring usability issues. Other than that, I can't find any fault with Windows 8. I agree. I do think removing the start menu was probably the worst decision they made. Um, in regards to Internet Explorer 10, um, when I opened up IE on my computer, it said, try Internet Explorer 10 for Windows 7. So, Okay, maybe I'm thinking IE 11 then, because I know there's one that you cannot use on Windows 7. Right. So the, the question, though, the, what poisoned it out, though, is you're talking about just, just a couple of usability errors with Windows 8 that is causing the problems. The only problem is... The, that's Windows things. It's a user interface. Right. And I recognize that that's one of the big glaring issues. <laughs> like um, the thing for me was that like Vista, it had uh, more processing issues. And I think that's why people liked it even less. Because um, honestly, Windows Vista, the usability was virtually the same as, you know, some of the other systems or operating systems. But there was some processing issues and things like that that people didn't like. Um, this doesn't seem to have that. It's, you know, they fixed it all so it runs smoothly. It's just they designed it for touchscreens and not normal PCs. And as I said, it's not intuitive at all. When I first booted up a Windows 8 machine and started playing with it, I had absolutely no experience with Windows 8. Um, I had no instruction whatsoever. And the weirdest thing is, honestly, it took me 20 minutes to figure out how to close Internet Explorer. Did you actually have to use Internet Explorer and Google the answer? No. Oh, that would have been deliciously ironic. Yeah, it would have, but I eventually figured it out. It And it had to do with, like, moving the mouse into, like, a certain corner of the screen to get a menu to show up and then select and then, like, going down while staying within that menu because if your pointer moved off the menu, it would disappear. And- yeah, I remember there being something weird like that when they debuted the uh, the beta version of it. Yeah, that was still there when uh, when I tried it a month or two ago. I guess the biggest problem that I have about Windows 8 is they had the beta period. They had all of the feedback that, guys, this UI sucks. We don't know how to do this, this, or this. And rather than fixing that, they're just like, okay, we'll just release it as is. But is Windows 8 really geared towards us? Or is this kind of almost future-proofing Microsoft? Because you think about it now, every heck, nieces and nephews that I've got they can navigate around an iPad with their eyes closed. It's ridiculous. Yeah, they can. But like I was saying, you know, this is designed for touchscreens, which, you know, you have your iPads, you have your smartphones. Those have kind of, they already have their interface. This is only really viable for your touchscreen laptops and tablets. Which you don't use that often in a business environment. Only and, because it's not available yet. Uh, there's not too many businesses that have touch technology in the main office. Right. And while it will still move in that direction, you know, people like me who are programmers, almost nothing is like touchscreen. We live and breathe by our keyboards. God, I would hate trying to program on a, on a touchscreen. Oh. I don't think anybody's advocating for us to start programming on a touchscreen. 
I think there's always going to be keyboards for programmers. But what we're saying is Microsoft Windows 8 does not work well with a keyboard. It's built for a touchscreen. Yet there are major areas of businesses that will never really use a touchscreen ever. So the main UI is made for touchscreens, but the main UI for Windows in general is used for pointers. Programmers tend to use shortcuts regardless, and they're just always on their keyboard. Yeah, True. So, if the shortcuts work, then who needs a mouse? Yeah, it's just it's kind of moving away from what some people have gotten used to. And I think that's why, you know, people who are programmers or are more in the geeky end of, you know, the whole thing, they tend to like this a little less. Whereas people who are a little more casual and the ones less likely to voice their opinions probably don't care as much. So you're just saying the Internet's basically an echo chamber which is kind of like the fact that EA, when we're talking about that, one of the consumer's worst con- uh, worst company in America is mainly because they deal with stuff on the internet, and this poll was done on the internet. Yeah, pretty much. So do you think Windows is going to continue with this Metro UI in the future for Windows 9? I think if they're smart, what they'll probably do is come up with a way to make it an option. So have your cake and eat it, too. I think that's what they were hoping to do with this version, but um, I have a feeling that they didn't quite get there yet. Yeah, if they essentially give the option between the Metro UI and you know what we're used to with like XP and 7, I think that would be a lot more successful. Gotcha. So last topic I want to talk about. Disney, so we all know Disney bought LucasArts and says they're going to make Star Wars movies, right? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. They have officially now announced they're going to make a new movie every single year until they stop making money. And it's going to be wildly successful for at least three to five years. I don't really see that being a big issue, Andy, because when I think of it, like – you could go several different routes with it. They said a movie. They didn't say necessarily in the same vein. So you could have a movie, Episode 7, this year. And then you could have Clone Wars 2 from the Clone Wars TV show. And then you could have Episode 8 the year after that. So we're kind of thinking something like The Avengers then? Because The Avengers now seems to be like the go-to movie idea franchise thing. Yeah, well, I mean, that... It's some Avengers is also owned by Disney at this point, and it is insanely successful. So I think they're they may be trying to kind of duplicate that success. So you could have a movie like a Boba Fett movie, and then you could have the main movie, the main Star Wars titled movie, and then you could have maybe something like Scoundrels, where it's like the Star Wars universe, but it's a heist movie. Exactly. I mean, they can do something like that. It's also going to be a lot easier on you know directors, producers, and especially actors, too, in terms of it, you want to split it up so you don't have you know everyone working every day, you know, all day kind of thing. And they could also go other stupid routes with it. For example, they could do what the latest Twilight movie did, which was, we're going to split this movie into two parts. Oh, there's a lot of stuff doing that nowadays. Harry Potter did it. Twilight did it. I hear Hunger Games is going to do that. So that seems to be a very popular thing nowadays is to, you know, take the final movie and split it. Which I really didn't like the final book of the Hunger Games series. So I don't know if I'd want to go see either of those two movies. I personally thought the second book was the best. Yeah, that's what I thought. And then the third book was kind of like, well, we're in the situation. Let's see if we can recreate the first book in a different place. I felt the third book was a fitting end to the series. 
but I agree it wasn't the best book. All right, so we should probably move on to the random review and random topic. Well, the time. Well, random review, since Dave wasn't here, this was supposed to be his week, so I guess I'll go again. Um, I'm on a review, Need for Speed, Most Wanted. Not the one from, you know, like 2003, I think, but the one that just came out this year. Okay. It's an arcade racer, so it's it's a racing game, but, you know, not like Forza or Gran Turismo, where everything is precise. It's very the arcade game. More like the Rush series? Yes. Ridge Racer. Like, yeah, it's more like Ridge Racer than it is Gran Turismo. And they talk about it's the most socially connected game, which coming from somebody who, A, I don't think has any friends that run with racing games, and B, currently does not have Xbox Live Gold, so can't use multiplayer. Now, is it just me, or does it seem like fewer and fewer people have gold? It might just be you. Well, they're definitely trying to get everybody to have gold with putting Netflix and Hulu and all the stuff on there and ESPN stuff. And that's why I have a PS3. Because you get that all for free? Yep. And that's why I have both. Choice! See, I have both, but I don't have gold. So my Xbox sees very, very little use. Well, I had gold, and like I said, I I didn't see a purpose for keeping it. Because I normally am not online. When I'm playing a game, I'm normally playing just a single-player game by myself. Which, you know, playing Need for Speed Most Wanted, it it has a single-player game. But even that is kind of like, oh, there's these things that, you know, you can crash through billboards and try jumping things and see if you can go farther than your friends. Well, I have no friends <laughs> who are playing Need for Speed Most Wanted. So the social aspect of it doesn't really exist for me. And there's a large section of the game which is like, hey, try and beat your friends. Okay, I beat this thing once. I have no friends. So it's like, okay, uh, try and beat your friends doing this. Um, I have no friends. <laughs> nice. Yeah, I mean, it seems to me that, you know, with everyone going to the whole um, – what is it? Just social gaming. It seems to be alienating a lot of options and systems and play styles because the social gaming works on PC. It's dwindling a little bit on Xbox and social gaming does not really work on Nintendo or PlayStation. I guess I'm not following you at all with that assertion. Really? Yeah. I mean, I play, it, it depends on the game, but I tend to play a lot of games with other people like the Halo series Castle Crashers. Um, whenever I'm on the Xbox, it's because I want to play with somebody else. Gotcha. I guess it's probably just more me then, because I do a lot less social gaming, especially on the consoles. You do tend to do a lot of the RPG and single-player games, which I think is very similar to what Andy does as well. Yeah, I think the only, like, quote-unquote social game that I really play is You Don't Know Jack on Facebook. And I play that more because it's You Don't Know Jack. I don't care if I beat other people's scores. You Don't Know Jack is an awesome game series. Yes, it is. Are you playing the version on Facebook? Because it's actually not... It's pretty much like You Don't Know Jack. Andy, um... Other than, you know, checking Facebook once in a while on my phone, I have not logged in in forever. Me too, Andy. You're, you're talking to the two people of your friends that don't use Facebook. Now I'm curious, when's the last time either one of you posted on Facebook? Um, probably when I changed it to married. Yeah, that sounds about right for me too. See, your sister shared a link. People wrote on your timeline for your birthday. Oh, yeah. They like to do that. People I haven't talked to in years just like to say happy birthday. I'm trying to see what the last activity you did was. You're going to have to go back a while. I think the only reason I went on last time was because my wife decided that I had to update my status to married. 
last recent activity for you is you became friends with your dad, Brian, on March 21st. That's activity. That's not me exactly posting anything. True. Um, let's see. You were tagged. Those. Catherine posted those. Catherine posted those. So, Andy, other than the social aspect of the game being somewhat lacking, how is the rest of the game? Um, let me just say three words. Rubber. Ba- okay, four words. Four Rubber band AI. Or is AI one word? It's typically one word, but it's an acronym, so whatever. Wait, is rubber band one word? That's one word. (laughs) (laughs) Two! Two words. Rubber band AI. I've got the the Bugatti Veyron was one of the like main last bosses in the game. Like you have to beat these races in order to gain points in order to take down the quote unquote most wanted people in the city. Which side note, you actually have to drive around a frickin' city in order to go to the races to race them. Which is super annoying. So it has an overworld that you have to drive through? Yes. Amazing. Kate just showed up as now is quoting the Spanish Inquisition. It reminds nice. me of um, the, oh, there was a racing series with Conquer and Diddy Kong. Oh, was that the Diddy Kong racing game? Yes, it was. I remember that one that actually had the overworld map and you had to find the different like places you had to go. Right. And then you could be in a plane or a hovercraft or whatever. But that's the only other game that I know of that has an overworld where you drive. So it's like Grand Theft Auto without the Grand Theft? Yes. Well, technically, um, there still is the Grand Theft because there are cops roaming around. So you're trying to, like, drive to a race. And then sometimes, you know, you pass a cop while you're speeding. You have to lose that cop before you can actually start the race. So I could get to, like, a race point, and I'm like... It's a six-mile drive, which this game takes a few minutes to get to. I finally get to the spot. I'm like 50 yards from it, and then I pass by a cop doing 150. So then the cop starts to chase me, and I can't start the event until I lose the cop. So why don't you just drive like a normal person and go only 50 miles an hour? Because he's not patient enough? Very true. I'm not patient enough. I'm My four-minute drive to the event so I could actually, you know, race and do what the game is intending me to do would take me, what, like eight minutes? Yeah. See, Brian, that Diddy Kong racing you were talking about, you can get from one race to the other in under a minute without cops chasing you. Yeah, but that's no fun. So, yeah, that's the, uh, the rubber band AI means that you don't even have to, like, have the best car in the game because the rubber band AI will slow the AI down for you to catch up. And that even though, like, if you take a guy out and he's, like, way in the back, somehow the guy can drive, like, 400 miles an hour and catch up to you. It's ridiculous. It's just like Mario Kart back in the day. Yeah, I was actually playing. And how much were we hating Mario Kart back in the day with the rubber band AI? You just need to <laughs> game the system. Go really slow for most of it. And then at the last moment, go ahead. I will say the Mario Kart DS, though. I've been playing that a little bit recently. That does not have the rubber band AI. Um, I know I have actually lapped some of the AI in that game and have kept a very close eye on the map. And there was no... Uh, rubber banding going on there made me smile but it the rubber band ai just takes most of the challenge out of it because you're just like oh i can drive however i want to drive and you don't have to be skillful in order to actually beat the final boss it's called lazy programming it's annoying programming i have was not pleased with this game for the fact that i have to drive you know like four miles to get these things also 
Um, there are, like, in order to upgrade your car or to find new cars, you actually have to hunt down the new cars on this overland map. So if you're not, like, apparent to where the fast cars are, you're kind of stuck with a slow car until you run out of races for that one. Maybe you can beat the most wanted guy, maybe get his car. But still, it's just the fact that you have to, like, hunt down these things on this map. It's ridiculous. So it kind of sounds like more Grand Theft Auto. Like, if you wanted a fast car, you had to go into the fast car area and hijack it. Basically, yeah, except you you have to find these things in the specific locations on the map to hunt them down. It's ridiculous. So, if you had to suggest this to another person, what would you say? Uh, I would not approve. Run away, run away? Yeah, let's just put it this way. I had it on my Christmas wish list when it came out, because I'm a fan of the Need for Speed series. But this one, I have removed from my Christmas wish list. Did you end up, like, borrowing or renting it first? Yeah, I rented it from the library. Ah, well, there you go. So, only time lost, not money. Yep. So, ending the show with the random topic, how appropriately uh, the random topic I rolled ahead of time was, what do you think will be the replacement for the internal combustion engine? I don't know. I do not know a lot about mechanics. I don't really see it going away. You don't think the electric car is going to be the death of the internal combustion engine? Not for some time yet, because... I mean, you have to charge the electric car anyways, so you're still, you know, getting energy from somewhere. It's just a big plant instead of, you know, the internal combustion itself. So we're just, you're switching from using gasoline to power an internal combustion engine to using coal to power a power plant to charge your electric car. Pretty much. I'm more viewing it as currently today we have combustion engines in Cars, equipment like fat, like uh, tractors, trailers, cats. Um, I don't foresee any of those things really going away. The engine itself is is a very efficient design for what it is. I mean, it's not the most efficient thing out there, but it's we haven't come up with anything more efficient. So you think people are probably better off trying to streamline the combustion engine we do have than trying to come up with something new? I don't know of anything else that you could come up with that would do the, what we needed to do. Like, Just so you know, Brian, the uh, efficiency of an internal combustion engine is only like 20%. I know, and after taking thermodynamics, that's pretty good for what we can do. True. But yeah, there's, there's you have electrical engines, and I, I can't think of anything else, because anything else is basically just an internal combustion engine in a different form. Maybe you could use maybe jet engines? Uh, I don't think that would be great on the highway. And even if we were to not, like if all cars were to go away from the combustion engine, there's still so many other things out there that use that technology. I don't think we could get away from that in general. Yeah, emergency backup? Think of all the the tons of people that were using diesel fuel for emergency power to power basically our infrastructure after Hurricane Sandy. Right, those are all combustion engines. It's just kind of funny that the four-stroke internal combustion engine really hasn't changed since the very first automobile back in the 1800s, and yet we're still using it today. Because I don't know if we can come up with anything better. I, I can't think of anything better. Until some aliens land here and give us something better, we're pretty much stuck. Do you think we could use nuclear power? I think that's just asking for trouble. I mean, we use nuclear power as it is tonight, but I don't see it working to replace the combustion engine. It's better off being used in large scale in contained areas than, you know, small scales in cars. Yeah, think of an auto accident if you have to, you know, clear the area for a nuclear fallout. Well, the quantity we're talking is significantly smaller if you're going to do it in a car. 
but I, it's still going to be a mess. Yeah, think of the people who accidentally break those compact fluorescent light bulbs and have to get uh, people to clean up the mercury. It's still, it's a small scale, it's a small amount, but it's still, you know, you have to call in a cleanup crew because you broke a light bulb. Right. So yeah, I guess there is no <laughs> replacement of the internal combustion engine. Kind of a downer. Uh, maybe in another, you know, hundred years or so, someone will come up with something. But I don't think it's something that's that we're in a position to be able to come up with any ideas. No, I think it's going to take uh, someone who has a lot of engineering experience and is a very outside-of-the-box thinker before we're going to get anywhere close to coming off of combustion engines. Okay. Well, I think that pretty much sums that up. I can't think of anything else to say. Okie dokie then. Well, Brian and Brendan, thank you for um, replacing Dave. Not a problem. Sorry we weren't snarkier. <laughs> it's early. We're tired. Hey, Dave would probably still be sleeping right now. What time is it out there anyways? Uh, 5 p.m. Oh, okay. So he's about five hours ahead of us? Right. Yes, because we're UTC minus five, and he is in London, the home of UTC. Gotcha. Okay. So that's an easy math to do. All right, guys. Well, I guess that's the episode. So uh, thanks for joining me, and uh, that's a wrap. Yep. Take it easy. This has been another episode of the Random Access Podcast. If you have any questions, comments, concerns, corrections, suggestions, remarks, reviews, rebukes, retorts, or just rants, feel free to contact us. You can find us on Twitter at RAPodcast, or send us an email at mail at RAPodcast.net. Thank you for listening. <laughs>